Hey friends, this is your friendly spoiler alert. If you are still in season one, please stop now or forever hold your tweets. Hey gang, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and I'm joining you alone this week to discuss season two, episode 12, chapter 25, The Wicked and the Divine. God, these episode titles are so long. I just could not wrangle up anybody who was both caught up with the show and had their lunchtime at the same time as me this week, so it's all me all hour, bitches. Buckle up. <laughs> this was a really good episode, you guys. Like, I, I'm still, like, stunned at how good a middle of the season, really, I think it's actually, like, direct center of season two, how good it was. This was, like, a penultimate episode. Um, so we start off at Pops, where Jughead is telling us just how tropey this season is, like, as if we didn't already know, while music from Goodfellas plays while Archie carts around dry cleaning and does some other grunt work for Hiram. So... <laughs> I mean, like, The Godfather would have been a better name for this episode, but clearly two on the nose. Um, Blink and you'll miss Fred. You get just a glimpse of him. I wonder if, like, they brought Luke Perry in just for this one shot, or if they just had him, like, shoot all of his scenes in advance, because he is, like, barely on this show anymore. In the Pembroke, Veronica is in a very pearly, pearly dress, like, extra pearly, and we learn that it's her confirmation. Um, they also do some exposition about how normally confirmation is when you're 12 or 13, but they couldn't do that because they wanted to have this episode and she's 15 or 16. But actually when, so I, I was raised Catholic and the way my church worked was like you, you were confirmed when you were 15 or 16. Like most of the confirmations that, um, that happened in my church were when you were a junior in high school, um. I was confirmed when I was 15, um, just because of, like, other stupid stuff, but, I mean, maybe that's different, you know, everywhere else, but that's how it worked at Holy Family in Abilene, Texas. Veronica has chosen her Abuelita to be her sponsor, which is her grandmother, and I, too, chose my grandmother to be my sponsor when I went through confirmation, again, long, long, long before my agnostic awakening, (laughs) Um, all they do really is just like kind of stand next to you. And, um, I remember my grandma, like, I think she maybe blessed me and she put a cross around my neck and it was supposed to like over my head, but my head so big that it didn't fit. And it like got stuck on my forehead in front of an entire mass of people. Fun times. (laughs) Um, Hiram comes in and of course he makes it about him because everything's about him and he's just the proudest father alive because his daughter is being confirmed um not like he's happy for veronica he's happy for himself at the jones trailer sheriff keller shows up apparently for the fifth time to harass jughead fp and all of their neighbors about the missing statue head and Jughead, who has no chill as usual, straight up tells Sheriff that he's writing a new article about how the Sheriff cares more about finding the Vandal than the Black Hood. Much to FP's and my delight. Like, solid point, Juggy. Normally I'd be like, man, FP, are you not going to tell your kid to not talk back to, you know, a person of authority? But no, he was absolutely right there. And then... Holy fucking shit, Betty is cybering with some rando via webcam in her dark Betty getup from the, like, 
jacuzzi grotto in, in season one, episode three. Holy balls. And okay, so for those of you who didn't join the internet until well after the halcyon days of chat rooms and ICP and AOL Instant Messenger, cybering is what my generation called um, having sex via the internet. I don't know if this generation still uses the same term. I think you guys just um, say sexting because like AIM and chat rooms aren't really a thing anymore, but it was a whole thing. Um, the late 90s and early aughts were a crazy time, kids. Alice almost busted on Betty's door, but it's locked, and she starts freaking out. Why is this door locked? But Betty does some, like, real Broadway costume change magic and slaps on a bathrobe, rips her wig off, and opens the door, and she, she says that she was just talking to Jughead about homework, and I'm just like, oh, Betty. Oh, Betty, Betty, Betty. My darling Nancy Drew Betty, there is no way this ends well for you. Like, there is no possible outcome that this is going to be okay. Oh, and apparently all of this shit, the errand running, the sheriff shakedown, the cyber sexting, it's all before school even starts. And so it was a common joke on Pretty Little Liars that the girls would knock out like six hours of sleuthing before school ever started. But this is almost just as bad. When I was in high school, sorry, I'm also going to make this whole thing about me, by the way. <laughs> Um, there's just somebody standing behind my car right now. That's really creepy. Okay, they're gone. But when I was in school, it took all I fucking had to roll out of bed, shower, put makeup on and accessories and look like I stepped out of Adelia's catalog and get there on time. So, like, I don't know if school just doesn't start till 10 o'clock or what, but that's nuts. At school, in the lounge, Veronica invites the whole gang to her confirmation she says it's normally just a family thing, which is sort of true because, like, why would you go to that unless you were a parent or a grandparent or, like, a very serious, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend? But it's also just mass, and it's usually a group thing where everyone from the same CCD class is confirmed on the same day. Like, there was, like, 12 kids who were confirmed on the same day as me. Um, anyway, everyone is invited to church. Like, anyone can go to mass. That's that's the whole thing. Like they want to rope as many people into putting some cold, hard cash in the offering plate as possible. It, sorry if like you are Catholic or religious, but I'm slightly triggered by all of this Catholic stuff due to a very bizarre pseudo Catholic slash agnostic, um, but religious when it was convenient for my parents my upbringing was really weird and I am, I am straight up agnostic now. I'm not going to hide it or try to pretend to be something I'm not like, it's just not my jam. The dress code is Catholic chic, which <laughs> I think probably means many things to many people, but, um, according to Veronica, it means dresses, veils optional. Oh my fucking God. Nobody has ever worn a veil. No, nobody in the last I don't know, 50 years has worn a veil to church that wasn't getting married or at a funeral. Like, that's not a thing people do, um, even Catholics. But dresses for the girls and suits and ties for the boys. But before anyone can comment on that particular dress code, when I was really hoping Kevin would have something witty, Principal Lizard Person from Doctor Who summons Jughead and Betty to his office. Oh, and Betty is wearing a sweater that looks a lot like the crown sweater from Season 1, Episode 10, um, The Lost Weekend. But 
it has pink hearts all over it instead of crowns. So, you know, I love a good foreshadow video costume. So I thought that was, that was a solid choice. Also, I want it. Um, okay, so in the principal's office, we learned that due to Jughead's hissy fit via school newspaper article last week, Hiram's lawyer, Mr. Sourberry, whom you might remember from the whole affidavit drama of season one, I don't remember which episodes they were because that was not my favorite storyline, um, but he is seeking legal action for the defamation of Hiram's character, a known criminal, by the way. Homie just got out of prison, but he's seeking legal action for defamation of his character by a 16-year-old. <sighs> Both Betty and Jughead are suspended from the blue and gold. And I'm of two minds on this because, yes, Betty should catch shit, too, for approving Jughead's white savior bullshit article. She should get in just as much trouble as Jughead. But Hiram's hang-up on Jughead was, in fact, his comment. He had the chance to defend himself to the reporter, to the newspaper, and he decided to hang up instead. Like, I get that, you know, they're upset about this article, but okay, so it's a school newspaper. Like, nobody even fucking reads that except for the people who are on the newspaper staff, or if you happen to be featured in an article. Like, nobody read our fucking newspaper. It was like to figure out what was going to be served in the cafeteria and was going to give you heartburn for the rest of the day or um, who we were playing football in this weekend or, you know, like it was, <laughs> there were not scathing articles being reported. And if there were, we probably still wouldn't have read them. But I do understand that the school's point of view, because, you know, even though First Amendment and freedom of the press and everything, I don't think that fully applies to school like that. I think the school in any town would probably um, revoke, would suspend them from the newspaper. Um, so I guess uh, Kevin, who just got a gossip column, is going to be the only staffer for the Blue and Gold. All right. So they go to clean out their stuff, and Jughead apologizes to Betty for roping her in this mess. And then all the Tony stuff comes out. Like, this... So... I was really surprised at, like, how much Jughead divulged in this scene. Like, I'm really proud of him, but he says, you know, the night of the gauntlet after you sent Archie to break up with me, um, yeah, I kissed Tony, and she stayed the night, and we did stuff. She gave me a, and then there's such a long pause that, like, fill in the blanks for yourself. She gave me a blowjob a hand job. Oh no, a tattoo. <laughs> she gave him a dot 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 tattoo, which I do remember like that Tony gave him the tattoo, but I <laughs> I just want to know like what that blank space was cuz Tony is more into girls. Like what was she doing? Um not that you can't, you know, like want to you know, get your patch cleaned out or whatever. I just it, it was odd to me. <laughs> anyway, um, but they did quote-unquote stuff, which is every teenager's favorite word for hashtag hand stuff and has been for like forever. I, I mean, I think we did stuff is probably like, that, that's just a teenageism that is going to be in the English language forever. Um, Betty is hurt, clearly, but she's she's right when she says it's not her place to ask. 
So, I mean, she broke up with him. He went to the, like, only other girl he knows for comfort. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. He's 16. Jughead asks Betty if she's done anything with anyone else, and she fucking lies and says no. God damn it, Betty. You had your chance to get the kiss bullshit out of the way, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Like, Jughead just told you that he got, like, fucking a handy from Tony, and you can't say, like, I kissed Archie because I thought we were about to die, and it would have just been over. It would have just been, it would have been done. You probably would have still gotten back together. You know, you could have still fucked at the end of this episode. It would have been fine, but no. Oh, that girl. It's going to turn into a whole thing now, and she's a bad liar, though, so I think Jughead can tell, like, she's not being totally honest. At the Pembroke, the St. Clairs have sent Veronica a confirmation present, to which she denies, but Hermione's like, no, this is how business is done when you're in the mob. Um, She takes her patented evil sip of coffee and then asks Veronica about the little visit that Archie took to rearrange Nick's face. And I didn't understand why, like, Veronica was going to be in trouble for this. She didn't put Archie up to it. She doesn't know why Archie did it. She doesn't know anything about the FOI agent. She just, and I don't know, it was weird to me that, like, Hermione was going to somehow put it on Veronica when it, you know, she, he, he almost, well, he did. He did. He, he assaulted her by repeatedly putting his hands on her when she told him no. And I, it's not her fault. None of this is her fault. She should take no blame in this situation. Then uh, we go to Pops, where Archie is making sure that the catering is correct per Hiram's instructions. So, yes, I know Hiram owns Pops, so that's probably why he's having him do it. But really, it just affirms my suspicions that Pops really is the only restaurant in Riverdale. Like, the Taste of Riverdale event from Season 1, Episode 3 was total bullshit and just 10 booths run by different Pops employees. Oh, and Pop kind of kind of slips when he says... Well, he is the boss. And Archie's like, what does that mean? Because he's not supposed to know that Hiram owns Pops, which I still don't know why is a big deal. Like, who fucking cares? Um, the FBOI agent shows up at, at the Andrew Silent Room garage very inappropriately and wants Archie to run recon at Veronica's confirmation. When Archie starts to protest, he tells the kid that he'll have to be there for both Veronica and the FBI. Oh my god, Archie, how can you not fucking tell that this guy is not with the FBI yet? Like, this shit is not legal at all. It's not how due process is done. Even if, like, the FBI went undercover, it would be that guy pretending to be a teenager. Like, you cannot put teenagers or minors in positions to be undercover. That's not okay. Anyway, back at Sunnyside Trailer Park, Jughead finds the sheriff evicting everyone from the trailer park. So apparently the city owns the trailer park. That's also not a real thing. Like the city can't just like own everything. Like no, somebody who there's like a landlord for every trailer park. Like they own the land there. <sighs> but whatever. Then we can get the the title card. Riverdale. Holy crap, that's a lot before the first commercial break. Like, I think I took 40 minutes typing out these notes, and that was just the first break. At the Pembroke, Sierra and Josie are there to apologize to Veronica for not wanting to be manipulated. 
they shouldn't have to do that, but you know, the mom and whatever. So Veronica invites them to her confirmation and Sierra, Mayor McCoy is like, well, great. That'll make giving you your gift even easier. So apparently their gift is Josie singing at the confirmation. Veronica is like, nah, I'm good. I was going to sing, but she concedes and says, fine, we'll do a duet. Do you, um, Hey Josie, do you know the widest song ever from the widest soft porn teen movie ever? (laughs) Josie agrees to learn it through, um, clenched teeth, but clearly it goes against her code as a musician or whatever. Josie deserves better than this plot line. Hashtag justice for Josie. Oh, oh, and then the shit eating grin on Hermione's face. Like, fuck off, Hermione. You're putting this poor young girl, this child, you're like, now she's being manipulated by both sides, both her mom and the lodges. Because I don't even know for to what end, because she's a good singer and I don't know, it's all fucked up. FP is holding court at the White Worm, which again is much fancier this season. Um, but he says nobody is going anywhere, so I guess they're just going to be squatting in their own homes until the statue's head is found. But whatever. Um, here you get a really good look at how the tertiary serpents, who are like all played by extras, they don't get the same serpent emblem on their jackets. They get a simple bright green circle made by a snake rather than a two-headed snake in the shape of an S, as it should be but fine. Oh, and then like, <laughs> they keep going back to like this group of, of serpents and they just look like, like ZZ Top or <laughs> Amish or something. <laughs> they just have the longest fucking beards and we've never seen them before. But Tallboy, again, the person who asked Jughead to join the serpents because he loved FP so much, he comes in and start shit by trying to get FP to punish Jughead for all of this stuff. And he starts saying, Jughead's like, what did I ever do to you? And Tallboy says, can we get a different name for him? Because I feel so weird calling him Tallboy. But he says, you wrote that article in your school newspaper, which I find it very hard to believe that any of the serpents read. And um, you did all this stuff. Oh, he started the... um, the, I hate want to say riot, but that's not right. The protest at, at Pickens Day. But, I mean, really, that was, that was like Tony's whole thing. Um, but it's not until he calls Tony his girlfriend that Jughead really flips shit and gets in Tallboy's face saying, hey, you're the tallest person in the room, so maybe you don't even need a ladder. You just reach up there with a hacksaw and, and cut the head off. And honestly, Tallboy can't be all that tall. Like, he doesn't seem like he's that tall. Like, 6'2 at the most, which I get is, like, on the taller side, but that's not, like, so tall. Like, that statue is fucking gigantic. He would have to be, like, 7 feet tall to not need a ladder, but I think it's just, like, his hair is so big to make him look like he's actually tall, but well, that and because it's full of secrets. Anyway, FP intervenes because the last thing they need is to turn on each other. And that's a good call from a good leader, I guess. I mean, I've never been in a biker gang, but whatever. Hiram confronts Archie about the trip to Nick's dorm. And naturally, Hiram is impressed. And he hires Archie to be his grunt boy at a poker night that he's having at Pops. Um, and that's that's all that scene was, was like, hey, um, 
you did something really bad, so I like it because I'm the worst. How would you like to come cut cigars and plunge toilet for me? And then we, uh, we go back to the Cooper house where Betty once a fucking again walks into her house and hears a noise and we're supposed to be scared. Um, but it's not anyone threatening though, just Ben, who you might remember from such famous scenes as the drive-in concession stand guy, who is a lot of hot dogs, and the scene right before Miss Grundy is killed. Both solid favorites in my book. <laughs> those are those are some Riverdale memories that'll never leave me. And not because I like Ben, just because like I, I thought it was hilarious that they were out of hot dogs for Kevin because he didn't have a date and I liked um not that I like to watch Miss Grundy die, I just really hated her because she was a pedophile. Anyway, Chick comes downstairs in a robe and drinking milk from a glass bottle, which is not a real thing, but okay, it's Riverdale, so whatever. He tells Betty that it was a job interview for the Bijou, where apparently Ben's concession stand game has moved since they uh, tore down the drive-in. And Betty wonders if it's one of his clients and Chick, Chick is who is like at least half naked under this robe gets super offended and is like no I would never tell those guys where I live and don't you do it either boundaries are key they'll keep you alive so I don't know is Chick gonna die <laughs> hmm. but okay so he was like at least shirtless so I find it hard to believe that it was in and they were in his room so I don't know what kind of job interview they're having, but um, another another podcast made the the clerk's joke of like, oh, a job? Was it a hand or a blow? <laughs> Thought it was really funny. So um, get on you, Archie Digest. And Jughead, for the third time in seven months, tops. Like this is becoming way too often. He yells at the mayor mayor for being shitty, thinking that that's gonna like stop her from being shitty. Oh, Juggy. Um, she gives him some bullshit about Governor Dooley, who has been named, so we'll have to have a cast of character eventually. But Jughead reads through it, and he reads through the lines, and he knows that she's being manipulated by the Lodges. And she says, and I quote, and I quote this because I really liked it. <laughs> she says, you're a bright kid, Jughead. I've always liked you. Lie! You've always fucking hated him, and we all know it. But anyway. So listen to what I'm telling you. Back down. And Jughead doesn't know what those words mean. That's that's not in his his uh, Rolodex of things that he knows how to do. It's not on his uh, list of special talents on his resume. Archie and Veronica are volunteering at the soup kitchen, where like he's wearing a hat to keep all his short hair from falling into the soup. But Veronica, nope, her shit is just down to shed where it may. Honey, you have to wear a hairnet or a ponytail, like bare men's. Nobody wants your hair in their food, even if it is the most glamorous, raven, glossy, beautiful locks in the world. Even, even like homeless shelter people, they don't, the homeless don't want your hair in their food. Good grief. But she tells him how high stakes this poker game is. That everyone who will be there are industry titans that he does not want to cross. <laughs> And Archie's like, there's nothing to worry about. So if Archie thinks there's nothing to worry about, there's something to worry about. Betty and Jughead meet at Pops so he can ask her for help. And he admits to her that the last time she tried to help, he pushed her away. He broke up with her. So she's like, 
what do you need, Jughead? And he lays out all the eviction stuff. So he tells her that whole plot line. And Betty says that if the missing statue is what is fueling the mayor's fire, let's take away the gas and treat it like a missing person's case. The case of the decapitated statue. There's a weird camera shot in the mirror behind uh, Pop's counter. And I think you can see Cheryl in the background. And I'm not really sure about that. Um, and I paused it, but I, I still couldn't really tell. But if it wasn't a clue, it was just a really super weird shot. But anyway, so find the head, save the trailer park. That's a good rap song name. Like Somebody needs to use that. Uh, Veronica bursts into Hiram's office to get him to stop bringing Archie in. And Hiram makes some good points here. And I don't mean like good as an ethically good, but like persuasive points for his side of the argument. She doesn't want Archie compromised, though, so Hiram tells her that eventually she's going to have to make a decision, either bring him in or leave him on the outside forever. And he's not wrong. Like, did Veronica think she could just low-key keep Archie in the dark forever but still be with him long-term while, like, being involved with her parents' business? I mean, I don't even buy new throw pillows without consulting my husband, much less gentrify his hometown. I mean, that, that's something I would definitely, like, bring him in on. Um, at the White Worm, where Jughead is pinning up flyers for the missing head, holy fuck, Penny's back. I mean, we all knew she would be back, but I'm actually surprised that they brought her back this soon. I mean, that was two episodes ago, three episodes ago. Tallboy is who brought her in, um, because he's the worst now. Penny shows everyone, including FP, where Jughead sliced off a chunk of her arm and left her bleeding in a ditch in Greendale. And FP facepalms. <laughs> get an FP facepalm, whatever. He facepalms like Jughead put a dent in the car rather than mutilate a woman's body. He's just like, oh, that boy of mine. But Penny is still willing to help the serpents legally with their eviction problem, but she set her price at she wants to be let back in the serpents as long as Jughead gets kicked out. Oh, and she wants to cut off his tattoo with a dirty knife, and I don't fucking blame her, Juggy. You know what they say about a woman scorn? She's fucking badass and I love her like she's a terrible person she's got you know she did some very bad things you know for having him run heroin for her she she did not great things she is a bad person she is also a badass person and I am here for it I'm here for all of the penny episodes um in the Jones trailer we learned that there will be a vote Jughead versus Penny FP calls her Cobra which I really wasn't sure if that was a compliment or an insult but anyway he says that mutilating someone, that's something you can't come back from, boy. <laughs> Jughead talks back to his dad, who is clearly not in a great mood. And he's like, oh, like stuffing a dead teenager in a freezer isn't? Damn. You aren't wrong, but read the fucking room, my man. And then FP slams him against a wall which is child abuse technically and whether or not he deserved it it's probably not going to help your case but I'm certainly not going to forget it like I'm not okay with that um we use our words and we don't we don't throw our children against against walls even if they like mutilated somebody like you, that's you're a position of power you don't you don't physically harm your children anyway um, I'm not sure if he's drunk here or not because he's not the even-keeled good FP that we've seen most of this season. Um, and I get that he's pissed off, but he's also kind of slurring his words. So, like, I don't know. Um, I really want to talk to Skeet or, like, anybody else about it, but I, I think it's kind of awesome. 
Um, he's fucking awful at Jughead here. <laughs> Jughead says that they're just using his article and the statue as a way to bring the serpents down, but his dad, instead of standing by his side, says, you will be the death of us. Not the north side, not Penny, you. Jughead starts to cry, and like, so do I, because Skate is such an amazing actor and really has a way of breaking my heart when he goes into bad dad mode, but Jughead does like ultimate frown and rips his beanie off and oh shit, it's serious now. He took his fucking beanie off. Whoa. Um, the FRY agent wants Archie to wear a wire, but Archie's like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that. So way to go, Archie. And the Cooper's foyer howls back and he tells Alice, I've already told you, Alice, either Chick goes or I go. And like, don't let the door hit you on the way out, bro. She literally said she would kick you out last episode. Later days, homie. Bye, Felicia. Hal tells them to call when Chick is gone, but in the meantime, he'll be at a share B&B. <laughs> For once, somebody other than the lodges got to use a half-ass fake brand name. Um, but then Betty gets her suspicious eyes on. She is on to Hal. Um, and I, you know, it could be on to him shacking up with Penelope possibly, or she's onto him for not being Chick's dad, which should be super clear by now. Let me get this amazingly shot of shot scene of Veronica at church in, in confession. And it's like, it is really beautiful camera work. Um, lots of chiaroscuro. I don't know if it's the same term in, uh, <laughs> in, in film as it is in paintings, but it's like a big contrast between light and dark. And I don't know. It was really pretty. I loved it. But she really lays out all of her guilt over lying to Archie and leading him down an unrighteous path and ask for Monsignor's advice. But he says, uh, yeah, sure. Ten Hail Marys and five Our Fathers, which really is legitimately what priests do during confession. I'm pretty sure I got the same penance for eating pizza during Lent when it was like the thing I gave up. I was in Italy and I mean, you can't be in Italy and not have the pizza there. Whatever. At the Pembroke, we get mob wives Riverdale. We meet all the female members of Veronica's family, all of her tias and her abuelita. I think there was only three aunts, but or two aunts, I mean. Two aunts, Hermione and, and Abuelita, her grandmother. Um, they tell her how they cope with being married to obvious criminals, to, you know, to the mob via church and charity. And they're like, Veronica, you're just going to have to find your thing. But this whole time, Hermione doesn't say shit. She just makes great big telenovela eyes and sips her wine very dubiously. But um, her tia, who goes to church every day, asks about Archie and if they know his family, which is he like, you know, is he one of us? And Hermione says, no, he's a local boy. And, um, oh, how you say, inocente? As if she had to try really hard to think of the Spanish word for innocent. Like, okay, this episode was written by Roberto Guerra the showrunner, a Latino. I mean, you can hit us with more complicated words than inocente, corazón, and café con leche. Like, Dios mío, hermano. Some of us know actual Spanish, and if you don't, who fucking cares? They're a Latina family. Put up some subtitles, just like you do with when Abuelita speaks, because apparently she only speaks Spanish, but she asks if Archie is coming to the confirmation, all in Espanol, so gracias, Abuelita, and Veronica says, God willing. Because what, Archie's going to get murdered at the poker game, or just, like, learn some shit that's so bad it would make him want to break up with her and not be at her confirmation? 
I don't think you realize how Archie Andrews works. He falls in love and he falls super hard. So he, he is there for you, V. At the poker game, Archie meets the quote unquote titans of industry and like, oh my God, <laughs> this was a joke. So we got Mr. Can Meat, the butcher, um, a brewery owner and wait for it, Papa Poutine. I, I'm telling you now, if I ever sleep with a Canadian, that's going to be my bedroom name for him because it's amazing. <laughs> Papa Poutine um, gives Hiram some shit about Fred and Hermione's affair. And then he tells Pop that his poutine tastes like vomit. And he's all like, you own this joint? And Hiram's like, no, motherfucker, I own it. You apologize to Pop Date for being a bitch. But Papa Poutine does not. And he goes outside and at the same time, Andre the bodyguard comes out of the bathroom and tells Archie that the toilet is clogged. <laughs> Poor Archie. Um, so while he's in there plunging the toilet, he hears Papa Poutine and Lenny, the canned meat guy, talking about how weak Hiram is for letting Fred be a business partner. He's sloppy. Um, this is their chance to remove him from the five families or whatever. Finally, we get to the confirmation where Josie is singing Bittersweet Symphony solo until Veronica walks down the aisle to join her in the duo. Veronica's first line is, you're a slave to the money until you die, which is very fitting for her character, I think. I really love the parallel of Josie dressed in all black with metal studs because she's a badass and she doesn't want to be there. And Veronica in the pristine white dress that's, you know, covered in pearls. <laughs> and they're singing a secular song from the movie that is most known for teaching my generation about swimming pool sex and hiding your cocaine in your rosary. Like, I'm pretty sure they would not be okay with playing a having a secular song at all, much less one that's known for being in this particular movie and Cruel Intentions. Also, Hiram is dressed in all black and Hermione is in all white, which I think gives us a hint to like the true nature of her character, which has been in question for a season and a half now. So I like it. Uh, and I really do find this to be quite the iconic scene. It, it is kind of amazing. Like this whole scene, I think is awesome. Then uh, Veronica Cecilia Lodge takes communion and then falters on renouncing Satan and all evil works to walk in the light of the Lord. And everything goes really dark, but when her eyes land on Archie and he gives her his sweet little smirk, all of a sudden the lights come on and the angels sing and she says, I do. And we go to a bitchin' reception following the ceremony. Way better than the sheet cake and coffee that was served in the church's gymnatorium after my confirmation. Not bitter about it. I'm just saying, you know, I, I feel like they're trying to cram together confirmation and um, and a quinceanera, which is like a a girl. Of, I know I don't know if it's all Latin heritage or just Mexico, um, but I mean I live in Texas, which is really close to Mexico, and a lot of girls here have quinceaneras for their 15th birthdays, which is like this huge fucking party where they're like girls who wear bridesmaids dresses and like a cake that has bridges and it's it is a fucking badass party where the entire family comes the entire like fucking city comes and it's it's awesome so i think that's what they're trying to do here i think they're trying to cram a quinceav with uh with um with confirmation because confirmation's usually not like that big of a deal 
Um, but anyway, uh, Mayor McCoy gives Hiram and Hermione the deed to the land, which was formerly Southside High. You can tell she's scared. Like, she is nervous to be in this deal now. Something has turned Mayor McCoy from just being, like, you know, suspicious and evil to being a real person, and I like it. I think it's all Robin Givens um, acting, and I, I'm just in awe because I really, like, changed my tune on her character last night. Betty and Archie... Uh, stand around awkwardly while he eyes the mafiosos whispering in the corner and Veronica comes up and says Betty mind if I steal my man and I just really like that quote I just had to say it (laughs) that it's time for Archie to meet her Abuelita and I hope we get more Abuelita in the future because she's goddamn adorable when she pinches Archie's cheeks um it was it was very KJ (laughs) you know not necessarily Archie it was very KJ and I loved it um Betty finds Jughead upstairs, so very season one, episode five, and says, it's not like Jughead Jones to neglect a free buffet, (laughs) Snickers, and I love, I love whenever they make reference to comic book Jughead and how he is always eating, but, you know, he's depressed about the whole serpent thing, um, you know, about, you know, getting voted out and possibly getting his flesh cut off, but, so he tells her that, and he tells her how he did something really bad. Like, he he cut someone, and she's like, you what? But, you know, she's dark Betty now, so she can handle it. He comes clean, and I'm super proud of him. Like, he admits everything that he's done since her breakup, and he admits that even including their breakup just makes things worse. <laughs> Swear to God, Bughead fans everywhere fainted when he said that. But really, before any real reconciliation can happen, though, Betty's phone rings. Instead of, like, ignoring it to care for her friend who is clearly going through some tough shit because surely it was not a phone number she had saved in her phone, she takes the call. And apparently someone has found the head. Like, who came across this head and knew enough to call a number on a flyer that teenagers put up and not the fucking cops? Like, it's been the town's major drama since Pickens Day. Like, the sheriff should be the first one notified, right? Like, don't you think that's what would happen in a real place? And be like, well, these kids are looking for it. You know, screw the, the, you know, local authorities. Whatever. Downstairs, Archie and Veronica are slow dancing to Betty Davis' eyes, which... Okay, so if you're a huge nerd like me, you know that they played a version or a cover of Betty Davis Eyes by Rogue Wave in the Homecoming episode of season one, but um, they they played like the OG Betty Davis Eyes here, and it's, I don't know, it's just something that like obsessive freaks like me would remember. Um, Veronica thanks Archie for being there. She really needed to see his face, you know, to help her navigate the choppy waters of good versus evil, but... Hiram cuts in, and Veronica doesn't want Archie brought into their way of life, so she tells her dad, like, it it needs to stop, and he's like, okay. He agrees. So we go to a junkyard where a hilarious old guy, I'm I'm loving this guy, he asks Betty and Jughead if they're the kids looking for a head, and Jughead quips, if only we lived in a town where the answer could be no. (laughs) This, This is a pretty funny scene. Um, they asked my new best friend if he could describe the person who dropped off the head and he said he's not sure who dropped it off but he does remember seeing someone there that has never come around before a real low life type you know one who has a jacket kind of like yours <laughs> like ouch fashion police over here um and then in my third favorite jug headline of this episode he asks by any chance 
was this gentleman tall? <laughs> and by golly, he was. Must be Tallboy. And I really thought this was a red herring until later on when they confront Tallboy. Like, I guess after seven years of conditioning by Pretty Little Liars, I just assumed that they were going to drag this shit on forever instead of taking care of it in the same episode. But hey, props to you. Because I was like, mm, bullshit. He was just there actually looking for bike parts. And it was really like, you know, Cheryl or somebody. But anyway, back at the reception, Archie pulls Hiram aside to tell him, you know, look, I need to talk to you in this study. And it wasn't until this scene that I realized that this whole reception was being held in the lobby of the Pembroke. Like, this whole time, I'm like, where are they? Um, but maybe I'm just not, I'm just not good at surroundings like everyone else. Whatever. Um, Veronica sees them leave and tries to go after them, but Hermione stops her because they're not done with photos. Such a mom thing. Honey? You can't interfere in the dark goings-on of your father and boyfriend until you've taken a picture with all your guests. That's not what my mom sounds like, by the way. That's just, like, my mom voice. And not when I'm a mom either, but... Anyway. Um, in Hiram's study, Archim tells him everything that he heard Papa Poutine say about a coup. It's a coup! Hiram orders Archie back to the reception to check on Veronica and picks up the phone in a manner that was, like, amazing. <laughs> so scary, so creepy, and I love it. Awesome job, Mark and Suelos. Okay, so at the White Worm, walking in like the fucking mob squad is Jughead holding the head with FP and Betty on his flanks. They come into the White Worm to stop the vote that apparently is going on right now. And this this was like really cool, really intense scene. FP calls Tallboy a dumbass and actually cheered a little bit. <laughs> and Tallboy says, what's the North Sider doing here? And I honestly thought he was talking about Jughead. But apparently he means Betty because Jughead says she's here because she's one of us. And then that reminds us all of the god-awful striptease from a few episodes ago when she became, like, you know, Serpent of Jason or whatever. And it was also the starting of a thousand fan fictions. <laughs> you know, everybody was, like, naming their new one. She's one of us. <sighs> anyway, FP says, you haven't answered my boy's questions. So I guess he's going back to being the dad who stands up for a son instead of one that throws him against the wall, which... I will not be getting over, by the way. Just buckle up. I'm going to be talking shit about that for a while. Um, Tallboy says that Hiram Lodge put him up to it. Obviously. So Jughead asks Tallboy why he would go along with it. And he says, well, I thought it might be my chance to get rid of you, Sunshine. And you, FP. Well, you know, don't bury the lead or anything, Tallboy. Shit. Just lay it all out there. Why don't you? FP says that Tallboy broke serpent law, which... He scoffed at up to this point, might I remind you. And he asks, what should they do with this low life? Did Roberto, like, run out of ways to insult this guy? Because I feel like he could have picked something else here instead of the, you know, the same thing that the junkyard guy said. Um, you know, the one that I want to party with. He already called him a low life. And Jughead says that they should strip Tallboy of his jacket and exile him. So good on him for not wanting to cut his tattoo off. That's, that's great. Um... FP calls for a vote and everyone raises their hand, including Betty, which emitted a chuckle from both FP and me. I like that. That was cute. He's like, ha ha. Nice. Um, back at the reception, Veronica asks Archie what she was doing with her dad. And he says, oh, you know, they're just going over some stuff for my internship, you know, as the devil's apprentice and whatever. And she's like, that's still happening? Yeah, why wouldn't it be? And she tells him, like, look, if we keep dating... And you can't get more involved with my dad because he's, um, he's well. And Archie's like, 
He's a mobster. Dude, I know. Everyone knows. Like, my fucking dog knows. Like, that's the only thing that's more obvious than the FBI guy is not in the FBI. Um, so she starts to tell him what Hiram is planning to do at the South Side. And he's like, no, don't tell me because then I'll have to tell the not FBI guy. I'm going to have to come clean to him. So he's, he stops himself from telling her that, though, and says... I just don't need to know. I don't care. It doesn't matter what your father does. I love you, Ronnie, and nothing is going to stop me from wanting to be with you. So obviously something is going to happen that will stop Archie from wanting to be with her. Obvious fodder for the previously on reels, but, you know, fine. They make out in front of her entire family. You know, nice. Way to go, guys. That's that's getting Winnie some brownie points with Hermione. Uh, Jughead's trailer. Betty and him are sitting on a couch that is filthy. Oh, and FP is not here because he took a tall boy out for a little ride, which I don't know if that means like he's going swimming with the fishes or if he's just going to dump them in Greendale again. Like It's the next town over. There's got to be other places. Anyway, um, blah, 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 exposition. They're going to do more sleuthing to come. Um, Jughead's on probation from the serpents because what he did to Penny, um, but they stopped her from coming back she's totally coming back and they got rid of tall boy yeah he's gonna be back too mark my words betty's like we huh that's nice to hear again and he apologizes for trying to shield her from his dark side and she's like bruh did you even see the beginning of this episode i can handle it he knows she can so she gets another opportunity here to come clean him with the kiss with archie but doesn't and she says that she should head home but he's like or you could stay and he puts his hand on her knee and says, stay. And I know, like, everybody just passed out. <laughs> and apparently after one morning of dressing up for a webcam, she's lost all of her sexual inhibitions and just straight up straddles him. And they're about to do it, like, right there. Like, he's taking off her dress. And she says, there's something I should tell you. There's, like, 15 things that she could come clean about. Archie, the webcam stuff, her brother is her his brother probably so on and etc but instead she just says I want you I want all of you tonight I'm just like god damn get a girl like obviously I want her to be honest with Jughead he's been so blatantly honest with her this episode and he deserves the truth all of it from her but considering the little wilting flower that she was at the beginning of the series I'm so fucking proud of her it's about goddamn time we see a woman have consensual sex without immediate consequences like it is nice to see on tv a female who wants to have sex isn't pressured into it by someone else it's her idea she makes the move and I'm just it's awesome Alice and Chick are having dinner alone together in a very dark Cooper house, and she's bitching about Betty not answering her phone. She's busy getting laid. <laughs> okay, she's she's swiping her V-card. She can't come to the phone right now. Chick asks where Hal is, and before she can explain, there's a knock on the door. Oh, it must be him now. As if. It's just some really interesting looking bro there to see Chick. What's this guy's story? I want to know. Um, back in the garage of secrets, Agent Adams tells Archie that Papa Poutine was found shot in the back of the head an hour ago in his hotel room. So do we take him seriously or is this like the time Penny told Jughead that FP got beat up in jail by the ghoulies? Not real sure. Um, but anyway, the FOI agent asks Archie if he heard anything or saw anything suspicious that could implicate him, that could implicate Hiram in another quote unquote gangland slaying. Oh my. 
Um, Archie denies knowing nothing. Man, I I don't think this guy is legit, but if he is, Archie, you just obstructed justice. I mean, not that that means shit in our country anymore, but whatever. Still, like, holy crap. Like, you just lied to an officer of the law. Um, Veronica gets a really big package. Yeah, she does. Anyway, it's, um, oh, it's the head of the Pickens statue. And I like this because I really wondered how the serpents were going to resolve, you know, finding the, the statue head without implicating themselves. So I like this. And it, you know, it's a total mob thing to like, you know, horse's head in the bed and all that stuff. Um, and then we go back to the Cooper house where Betty is absolutely aglow post-coital until she turns a corner and, oh shit, this super interesting dude is laying in a pool of his own blood and Alice is mopping it up with her fancy dishwashing gloves. She says, um, Elizabeth, did you lock the front door? Oh, and you smell like sex. Just kidding. If she had said the last part, I would have died. I would have just absolutely perished. But anyway, Betty is shocked. And then title card, Zzz, Riverdale. Holy moly, that is quite the episode. Okay. Um, you'll notice a small pause because I have to go back into work, um, but I'll be back to do our segments. Holy jeez. Okay. Okay, I'm back. So, sorry about that. <laughs> if work could just stop getting in the way of my Riverdale obsession, that'd be amazing. But unfortunately, I gotta pay those bills. Anyway, I'm back. So, um, before we get into segments, I just want to talk a little bit about this episode and the style and some of the inspiration behind it. Um, this is a Roberto episode, so that's why it's um, very, very dark. Like, everything is so action-packed. Like, I love a good Roberto episode. Um, but it was also directed by Rachel Talala, and I'm, I'm probably butchering that last name, and I'm so sorry. But um, our friend of the pod, Roger, sent me an email and told me a little bit about her past. Um, she's directed episodes of Doctor Who and Sherlock, which probably explains the exceptional style of this episode. Like, so good. Like, you can tell the direction was next level on this episode. So I'm going to have to, I mean, I've checked out Dr. Who and Sherlock. Like, I mean, of course I have, I'm a fan girl, straight up Whovian. That's right. But, um, I'm going to have to see which episodes are, are strictly hers because I'm, I'm intrigued. The title this week, The Wicked and the Divine is actually not from a horror film, which has been kind of, or films at all has kind of been you know, the, the theme this season, but it's actually a comic book that is current. And from what I hear, it's exceptional. Like I have not heard a bad thing about this comic book. So if, if that's what you're into, if you really like graphic novels, um, or, you know, comic books, then I would check it out. They're not, not really my thing. I haven't liked comic books since I was a kid and not, not that I wouldn't like them now. It's just, I, I haven't picked one up in a long time but it's supposed to be really good. The little bit that I've read about the plot isn't, it doesn't totally fall in line with this episode, but the name clearly works with Veronica's trajectory of choosing light over dark. So anyway, that's, that's kind of all I've got about this episode. For our most Archie moment, like for a Roberto episode, most of his are like very Archie comic style, like the pilot, but this one really wasn't. I would, I would just say like Veronica being bedazzled in pearls for her confirmation dress or the poker game was at Pops. I'm not real sure. Like if, if you have any better ideas for what you think alluded to the comics the best or the most like 
over the top, let me know because I, I really had a stretch with that one. Um, for the best blossom burn, well, we didn't get a single blossom appearance in this episode, so I'm going to say Betty, who is Blossom by Blood, just not by name, but for when she told Alice, because Alice was griping about her having a locked door, she says, yeah, it's usually you who locks the doors, just casually throwing it in her face that she's technically locked up two out of three of her children in a torture home. <laughs> so nice. Now, honorary Blossom Burn goes to Jughead for telling his dad. <laughs> yeah, same thing as putting a dead teenager in a freezer, like, oosh. Um, it was a good one. He's not wrong, but, you know, dang. So, the good this week, I'm just gonna say, like, all of the good versus evil dichotomy, like, it was so good. It was an all-around great episode. I mean, if you still don't like this show after this episode, please just stop watching. Just stop, because... This was really avant-garde for Riverdale. Like, I am so proud of this episode, and I had nothing to do with it, but it was amazing. Um, the bad, the Octana plot was dropped, which we suspected. I really hope it comes back. Funny, I just liked that um, the main mobster of the episode received a head in a box. Just perfection and hilarious. Changes, I still want more Latina culture representation in the Lodge household. Like... I just, I feel like there's more. They could do more. I feel like they're, I mean, canonically, they're a super hoity-toity white family, but in this version of the story, you know, they really want it to be um, super Latino, but we haven't got a lot of that. So I, I want to see more. I felt like with Veronica's whole family coming in, we were going to get a lot more of what I see in my daily life the Latina culture that surrounds me. I wish Betty had told Jughead about the Archie kiss in the Balloon Gold office um, to get it out of the way. I need that particular elephant to leave the room already. And and blossoms always just as a general rule have a blossom present. I know this this episode was so action-packed that we just couldn't get any Cheryl Blossom. We couldn't get good Kevin lines. We couldn't fit the other pussycats in. It was just it, it was too much, but I mean, I just, I miss them. I hate having to go two weeks without him. For theories, I think Alice shot the John that came to their house. So I don't know if that was a client or an, ang an angry client. I don't know, but I feel like it's somebody from Chick's, you know, secret life that came and potentially hurt Chick, and so Alice shot him. That's just, that's what I'm thinking. For Sabrina news, no Sabrina news this week. I have not seen a single thing. If you have, send it to me, and I'll read it and mention you on the podcast, but I haven't heard a single thing. But there is a ton of Riverdale news this week. So it was announced that both KJ Appa and Cole Sprouse have been casted as leading men in films. Obviously not the same one, but they're both going to be leading, leading men, and that's really exciting. And Haley Law and Camila Mendez will also co-star. They'll co-star in a movie, so they're going to be in the same movie. And that's really exciting. <laughs> so these kids are doing great things, and I'm really happy for them. Why have we not been picked up for a third season? Come on, let's do this. In Skeet's Dadgram Corner, oh man, what a week for our old boy. We've really been in a drought for Skeet for a while, but this week his commenting game was strong. So I'm going to pick my favorite and save the rest for slower weeks when, um, when he doesn't comment a ton. 
got all the screenshots saved on my phone. So we'll use those as like a, a treasure trove to pull from in case we need to. But the one that I think was good, my favorite was a picture of his actual son standing on like some weird metal square thing and Skeet's caption. So it's actually a post of Skeet's like he posted it, but his caption reads beyond proud of this young man, three exclamation points. He makes fatherhood a joy every single day. Prayer hands emoji. It was just very sweet, very fatherly, very attractive. What? It just calls him like I sees him, and good dads are attractive. Okay, I think that's it for this week. Um, holy moly, this was a good episode. I'll be watching it over and over again, I'm pretty sure. If you want to tell me your opinions and have them run on the podcast, you can email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. And so this is, this is really embarrassing, but for the last month, I've been giving out the wrong Twitter handle. Um, just realized it yesterday morning, <laughs> so... Like, ever since I was a sophomore in high school, Cherie04 has just been my username for, like, everything. Do not use that nugget of info to steal my identity. You don't want it. It's full of crippling debt and acne, I promise. You don't want my credit score. Run. (laughs) Don't take that information for your gain. You won't have any. I have negative lots of dollars right now. But apparently, when I signed up for Twitter, I chose at Cherie B, like C-H-E-R-I-E-E. B-E-E, like my name, and then bzzz, the B that stings you, because that's what my abuelita, if you will, my grandma, who was my sponsor, used to call me when I was little, and I don't even think we were talking due to some family drama that went on for several years when I signed up for Twitter, but um, that's the one I went with. So, who knew? If you want to follow me on Twitter, <laughs> it's at Sharibi, C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B. And I had a friend tell me today that he had a really hard time finding me on Twitter. So if you, for some reason, you can't find me, um, and I don't know why, I didn't understand what he was telling me because I'm a lot older than him, and he just kind of like threw some technological words at me. If you can't find me, email me at the Real Housewives of Riverdale Gmail account and send me your Twitter handle. I'll follow you. You can follow me back and we can talk about this show. Um, We can tweet about it on Wednesday nights and whatever. Um, but Cherie04 is my username on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, it's mostly pictures of my kid, but, but you can, you can follow me there too. I've clearly jumped the shark on this whole internet presence thing. Like if you're too old for this shit too, though, you can join me at whatever fucking handle I chose and then forgot. And then we can be old together. and It'll be amazing. All right, gang. I, I think that's it for this week. So I hope to see you next week when we talk about, Season 2, episode 13, chapter 25? Is it chapter 25? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll back up to check because there have been so many I forgot. Um oh chapter 26. Okay, so the one we just talked about was chapter 25. Um it'll be season two, episode 13, chapter 26, the telltale heart, which we've all been freshmen in high school, so I'm sure we all know what that's referencing, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a dead body buried on the Cooper's land. I don't know that for sure, but sounds good to me. Anyway, see you then. Bye!